Hello and welcome to In Conversation With, a podcast for the Lancet Public Health. I'm Gavin Cleaver, it's March 2022 and we're so pleased to have you on board for this episode. This month we're publishing an article by Professor Amanda Paluch et al entitled Daily Steps and Mortality, a Meta-Analysis of 15 International Cohorts. This paper aims to establish the number of steps per day that were beneficial to health, and it found that taking more steps per day was associated with a progressively lower risk of all-cause mortality. For older adults, it found that six to 8,000 steps was the number beyond which mortality risk leveled off, and for younger adults, eight to 10,000. You can read the paper online now at thelancet.com, but to find out more, I'm very pleased to be joined by Professor Amanda Paluch right now. Professor Paluch is an assistant professor of kinesiology at the University of Massachusetts Life Sciences Laboratories. Amanda, thanks so much for joining me today. Let's get the big question out of the way first. When we're talking about numbers of steps per day, now we've all heard the 10,000 step number as being, you know, somehow important, but where did this magical number actually come from? That's a great question. So the 10,000 step goal really started in the mid-1960s. It stemmed from a Japanese step counting device that roughly translated to 10,000 step meter. And it's really stuck as the mainstream step per day goal, although it hasn't been supported by scientific evidence. Yeah. So how much of an evidence base was there for like a daily step count before this? Yeah. So it really over the past, I would say, you know, five years, there's been a growing interest. So there's been some individual studies who have started to look at the association of the number of steps you get from a step counting device with primarily it's been focused on your risk of uh, premature death. Each individual study that has looked at this relationship of steps with your risk of death, they are often limited in terms of their sociodemographic representation. So thinking about it might just focus on just men or just women. It could have a very narrow age range in older adults or younger adults, or it tends to be in a specific region of the world. So therefore each um, individual study has contributed to the evidence, but there's some limitations in terms of the generalizability at a wider scale in terms of global representation of how many steps we need for health. All right, this new review is an attempt to kind of put all this knowledge together and, and come out with, with an answer from that very complex question and all those different studies. Yeah, absolutely. So we developed uh, this group called the Steps for Health Collaborative, and our goal was to bring together as many studies that have data on steps and mortality and consolidate and strengthen those findings so we can really understand how many steps we need for health benefits. It must have been difficult to think about all these different confounders from all these different studies around the world. How did you overcome all these kind of like comparative differences? Absolutely. So this was one of the challenges that we really had to think of when we were first starting the study is making these studies consistent enough that we were able to perform a meta-analysis. And so what we did is we requested each study to conduct a very specific analytic approach and data processing approach. And we asked them to adjust for confounders that would potentially influence the relationship of steps and mortality. So when we think about confounders, these could be the demographic characteristics. So including in our models, age and race and ethnicity, um, sex, as well as lifestyle factors. So smoking status, we asked for all of our studies to adjust for that. And health status, so aspects like body mass index, blood pressure, history of chronic conditions, so history of chronic 
um, conditions like cardiovascular disease or cancer. So all of these studies did individual analyses that we provided. And it was a really big effort and a lot of collaboration from all of these 15 studies that are involved did these specific analyses that we were then able to harmonize and bring together in the meta-analysis. There's sort of a chicken and an egg situation here in the sense that kind of more physically able people generally take more daily steps. Uh, but, but, you know, because they're more physically able and physically well, they have better outcomes anyway. Yeah, that's a really great question. And it's something that we try to address because certainly there is the the limitation or the potential issue of reverse causation. So essentially somebody who has a chronic condition or becomes more frail as you age, this does certainly could potentially limit the number of steps a person takes versus a person who doesn't have those limiting conditions. And therefore they are more able to be physically active. So this reverse causation issue is certainly something that we try to account for in our analyses. And how we do this is we actually did what we call a sensitivity analysis where we removed individuals who died within the first two years of follow-up and the purpose of this is to remove those earlier deaths to account for those who at the start of the study might have had those health limitations or more frailty that could be driving the lower steps per day. The other thing we did is like we talked about with the confounding variables. So by adjusting for chronic conditions that these people already have, we asked, um, we adjusted for aspects like do these people have physical limitations or their frailty level or even their self-rated health? Those could help address those issues of this reverse causation so that we can feel a little bit more confident in terms of the association. Um, also worth mentioning that, of course, this is an observational study. So when we think about observational studies, we can't conclude a causal relationship. We can only conclude that there is an association between the number of steps we take and our lower risk of mortality. So along those lines, why is there such a focus, do you think, on daily steps? Is it kind of just generally a good proxy of people's general physical activity level? Or is it kind of a more pragmatic way to measure things? I would say it's both. It is certainly a good representation of our general activity levels. And walking is an activity that most people are able to do and fit into their existing lifestyle. So when we think about moving more and sitting less, thinking about getting in more steps is a really nice, simple way uh, to think about our physical activity and promoting physical activity. And the growing popularity of fitness trackers and mobile devices at a population scale provides a really simple metric for promotion of physical activity. I think this means for physical activity guidelines in the future, you know, um, thinking of what, you know, general public health advice, what, what are governments going to say from now on, possibly on the basis of this research? So right now, there is no public health guidelines that are currently recommending the number of steps per day for health benefits. So in terms of the World Health Organization, the U.S. Physical Activity Guidelines, they're focusing on 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous intensity physical activity. And the reason they haven't done steps is because there has not been this evidence base to provide an empirical number to drive the association of how many steps are associated with health benefits. Um, so we're hoping, you know, this paper in itself is not going to be the new determinant of how many steps, but we're hoping that this meta-analysis is going to provide some useful evidence 
when considering the development of future public health guidelines. So we showed consistent associations across 15 studies from various countries, age ranges, and different devices. And this gives us more confidence that there is a clear association with higher steps are associated with your lower risk of mortality. Well, finally then, if you'll excuse the pun, what's the next step for this area of research? (laughs) Absolutely. So this particular study focuses on all-cause mortality. Of course, there's other outcomes to look at. So future work, we're hoping to explore outcomes such as cardiovascular disease, mental health, diabetes, cancer. All of these other ones could have slightly different associations in terms of uh, your steps and your risk of these various other conditions that are important when we think about health and longevity and quality of life. Um, The other thing that we hope to continue to explore is that in our study, we didn't find clear associations with step intensity. So essentially, sometimes we think of that as your cadence or how quickly you're walking. Um, This can be rather challenging to tease out in observational studies, because as you can think about it, it's those who step faster also tend to have more daily steps. So teasing out the difference between those, the independent contribution is challenging. Our results showed that step intensity was not consistently associated with mortality beyond the total number of steps taken. However, we feel like more research should be done to explore this with other outcomes and potentially in trials where say you are assigning people or prescribing individuals to walk at different intensities and different total volumes to tease out this relationship of whether the pace at which we're walking matters. I mean, best of luck for future research and congratulations on getting published in the Lancet Public Health this month. Uh, So Professor Amanda Paluch, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of In Conversation with a podcast for The Lancet Public Health. You can read this month's issue online now, open access at thelancet.com, and you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you usually get your podcasts. See you again next time.